At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I'm your host, Christopher Habig, CEO, co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Healthcare Americana is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We're not clinicians or policymakers. We're patients, we're caregivers, executives, advocates. We're fed up with the status quo and we have a desire to change it. This podcast brings listeners backstage at innovative organizations with innovative individuals across America that are putting patients first by delivering exceptional care to anyone and everyone. Today, we are joined by what I'm going to say, one of my favorite human beings to to talk to, Dr. Clara Krebs of Clear Medical, a direct care practice out of Kauai, Hawaii, or Dr. Krebs, should I say, Dr. Clara Kauai. Welcome to the show. Great to have you here on Healthcare Americana. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Now, just with the name of Dr. Clara Kawai, there's kind of an element of mystery that, you know, I, I would love to have you explain for, for our listeners here. And um, Kauai is an island of about 70,000 people. Most of us know it as Paradise or the Jurassic Park Island. And that's pretty much accurate um, from, you know, everything that, that we know. So, being labeled and carrying that brand forward is something that is just really, really interesting. And today, we really wanted to focus on how you know physicians, and in particular direct care physicians, are able to leave really the confines uh, and maybe comforts of a traditional healthcare system of employment, big hospital, and then really put themselves out there because it's a lot. A lot of people are very, very uncomfortable with doing that. So, with that, again, Dr. Clara Kawai. What is the secret to really getting out there and branding yourself and and reintegrating yourself with the community? So I would say one of the things that really inspired me to get out of the traditional medical practice would be actually my patients. They really inspired me to want to educate them more, to do more that I could do in a 15-minute visit. And they told me what they wanted was education. They wanted connection. They wanted prevention and they couldn't get that normally. And so what would happen would be, I would spend a lot of time in a 15 minute scheduled visit and I'd go over and I'd go over and I would go over because I would not want to not provide that for people. That's how I provide medicine. I'm going to give every, you know, give everyone the information they need, give everyone the prevention that they need. But in that matrix, it was impossible. So it came to a point where I was listening to my patients and seeing their responses to how my schedule was or how I would have to integrate into my schedule. And I saw that they were not benefiting as much as I I thought they could. And they, they could see that as well. So when you're in a matrix of seeing patients that is not benefiting them or you as well, it was time to make a change. And it was really obvious for me, it was time to make a change because especially over COVID, we saw that a lot of people who got really sick had other medical problems, chronic medical problems, obesity, diabetes, hypertension, things that we could have done a lot better job prior. 
to preventing. And it really sort of rung a bell for me, or you could say it like hit me in the head with a two by four saying, it's time to change. It's time to really spend a lot more time with people and give them that extra time that they want, that I want to give them. And yeah, it just, I basically came to a point and with my patients as well, they came to the point as well. And I got the lead from them. I can't, I can't function in this anymore. They can't, it's not benefiting them as much as it, it could be. So that's how I got the impetus to, to want to change. And that's what inspired me to want to change was my patients. And honestly, myself too. I just couldn't function in that type of environment anymore, knowing that there was more I could give to people. So covering ground on there, you know, within the confines of employed medicine and hospitals and yeah, I don't want to belabor the fact because, you know, there's a lot of the simple part of it is that, you know, there's a lot of workplace abuse going on with physicians, but what you're saying, you know, really resonates because it's saying, well, patients really form that relationship with the physicians who, you know, that you're going to be, you're like you're taking extra time every single minute you take with somebody extra to really dig down and actually provide real patient care to that person. You know, that you're going to have an administrator coming down and saying, Dr. Krebs, Yep. Bad Dr. Krebs, tisk, tisk, tisk. You're not on schedule here. And that has a profound impact on professional performance. And it does. And, and on top of that, you have all of these buttons you have to push. And this is not a patient-related problem, but is a physician-related problem. You have someone who's suicidal. You have someone whose auntie is really sick and they really need to talk about it. And it would be very beneficial to them if you spent the extra time. Mm. But guess what? You have to press all these metric buttons to make sure that you get the, the points that you need so you can get your salary. And that takes away from the human interaction between and the healing interaction between a physician and a patient. And mm -hmm. I'd like to make a very tight connection between my patients and my patients know that. And they could tell when things turned more towards a, like a metric measuring system because it was a lot more clicking, a lot less eye contact. And that was just survival of the physician. And it really detracted from the benefit to the patient, for sure. So how did you end up with the moniker, Dr. Kawhi? <laughs> so I started that a long time ago. That's my Instagram handle. I started it a long time ago when I decided I was going to change my own health. When I graduated from residency, I was very overweight. And because I was working all the time, stressed out uh, in the hospital, trying to get as many deliveries as I could, trying to, I, I really wanted to enrich my knowledge as much as I could during that time. And, and that took a physical toll on my body. And so when I moved to Kauai, I really made a concerted effort to really look at what I'm eating, really exercise and really do a lot of deep research into how do I heal myself from the stress of residency, which I, I put myself through. And that was great. I'm, I feel very well-trained, but how do we correct it? How do we write the ship? So I decided to share that journey with people, um, with Dr. Clara Kawai. And I put pictures of, you know, embarrassing pictures of myself being overweight. And I decided to share my recipes and what, hey, this is what I'm having for lunch. And people saw me changing over time and losing weight and getting healthier. And that inspired a lot of people. So that's why I started that is to share my journey. It's a unique story because very rarely do we ever hear about our physicians showing vulnerability. Doctors are, you have to have an answer. Um, when you're one-on-one -on -one with somebody and there's a life-threatening thing, yeah, you have to be the one with an answer. There's nobody else to pass the buck to. There's nobody else to go, hey, let me step out while you're hemorrhaging blood and, and, and ask somebody what I should do here. You have to act for right or wrong. 
And there are some times where that's wrong. So it just struck me how super rare that is for a physician to even show vulnerability, yet be able to talk about it and embrace it. Mm-hmm. What happened in your patient's mindset and your interaction with them when they started interacting with you on that kind of persona? How did it change? Yeah. So it was kind of, I felt like I was doing something wrong at the time because it was sort of outside of the norm. When I would see someone who needed some nutrition guidance, who was struggling with some of the same things that I, I struggled with, like, well, what do you eat? You know, I, I see you changing. I'd say, well, just go and follow this. I'm putting recipes down there. I'm taking pictures of my lunch. So I don't have time right now. But if you just do this, that's how it started as a addition to or a substitute for lack of time. And a lot of people followed me and started copying my lunches, which are really healthy. And I put a lot of research into them. And so that's how it started is is to make up for time I didn't have with them. And Mm -hmm. also I was able to do a step-by-step you know, instruction on how, how to make this lunch or how to make that lunch or this dinner. There's a word you keep repeating. And it's, it's, it's a four-letter word. It's time. We've talked to guests in the past to say, you know, we talk about, oh gosh, we've, we've gone really down the rabbit hole on a lot of different subjects. But, you know, a, a subject, favorite subject of mine, just to, just to beat, you know, like a dead horse is the word quality and how you define it. And there's been an overwhelming amount of physicians who have really exited the system, started their own direct care practices across different specialties that say, you know, Chris, quality is a measurement of time spent with patients. So I'm going to say, and that's what I'm hearing you say. Uh, I don't want to jump to you know <laughs> conclusions here as as your as your story is unraveling here, but that just struck me that time is a key component that is a common thread across this conversation. I had some of the best quality scores, metric scores out of any. <laughs> With air quotes, I just want to call out, you know, quality. Uh, she, she used air quotes there. Quality. So, which means clicking buttons and getting things done. It doesn't mean quality interaction. It doesn't mean quality healing. It just means you checked a box. You mm-hmm. got someone, a, I mean, it's important to get someone a pap smear. It's important to do these things, but there's sometimes when it's not needed. There's sometimes when it's inappropriate and that's my judgment call. And I'm the best person to judge that. But I found myself changing how I would do things. You know, I would interrupt people in an inappropriate time just to check that box. And that didn't feel like me. And that didn't feel right for the person either. And people started noticing, my patients started noticing that as well. And so it's funny as as my quality scores went up, my patient satisfaction scores went down. (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah, it, it is very interesting. Checking boxes is not quality care. Yeah. And, and I appreciate you calling out the negative correlation there too, because that's something that you intuitively think about it. You're like, well, that makes a lot of sense because I'm sitting here saying, okay, I asked this, I asked this, I'm building this, this, and this. It's going to be a great revenue event. But then the patient's sitting here saying, you didn't listen to a word I said. Exactly. Yeah. And so where's the relationship, right? Doctor-patient relationship cannot exist in there. I'm not going to say it's gone or it never was there. It just it, It's hard to have something fostered from that. We are talking to Dr. Clara Krebs with Clear Medical out of Kauai. Let's talk about, you know, was there any one individual moment where you finally said, this is it, I've had enough, I'm not going to do this anymore? There were a few. <laughs> there were a few? Uh-oh. Well, then, you know, now I got to ask, you know, why you didn't listen to your intuition off number one? So, you what know, took you I, so long, right? So there are a few physicians who we go through training and we just think it's part of being a doctor and you're just taking a two by four up the side of the head, you know? And this now, is- now, yeah, I'm curious about that. 
because we have a big problem. I have a big problem with medical schools as an institution and, and, it's and cultural. yeah. So was that just like an innate feeling or was that external pressure put on you? I mean, people don't go to medical, you don't go to medical thinking, well, I just have to suck it up and this is, I'm going to be abused for four years. Oh, so I have no doctors in my family, by the way, I was raised by a Marine and I played soccer in a division one school. So I like, I can handle most things. So it was me. And this is my personal story. So, it, you know, I, I thought I could handle everything. But the problem with being a physician is there's emotion with it. Like you can handle most things with doing work, running. But the emotion, the emotional aspect of being a physician, you can't handle that if you're just being told to do things over and over and over. Um, so I think the biggest thing for me was... Um, realizing I wasn't doing the best I could for people. I mean, it, it was multiple two by four against the head moments um, until I finally realized that I was not doing as good as I could for people. And my patients started telling me that uh, I could read them. I knew them well enough and they felt comfortable enough telling me like, this is not the same as it used to be. And really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Read us into a little bit of those conversations. I mean, were they, I, mean, I know my patients that well, like we are that close that they felt comfortable telling me like, what is wrong? This is not, this is not the, the care we used to get. Were you with the same, were you with the same hospital system at that point? Oh yeah. I'm yeah. assuming for, yes, but. For 11 years. Yeah. For 11 years. Yeah. So wow. same patient population for a long time. And I, I worked with a great system. It's not, it's, it's not their fault. It's just how insurance-based care works. You're, you're exactly right. They're, they're getting paid with the wrong currency, right? They're, they are so kowtowed to whatever the insurance companies say or what Medicare you know, says is this, and it's constantly changing and it's a whiplash for patients. And I just want to call it the fact that in the context of Freedom Health Works, when we're talking to physicians and, and helping them start their own practices, there's always this fear. And, and, and like you said, emotion is a huge part of it. How are my patients going to react? And I tell them, they're the ones who are going to say, hey, doc, why didn't you do this sooner? No joke. you they're not stupid. Your patients are not stupid. They're not blind. They probably saw it before you did. They did. And they were telling me like, things are changing. They noticed it before I did. They were like, yeah. when your patients ask you if you're okay, that's not okay. <laughs> like you look like you're rushing around too much today. Are you okay? <laughs> this is not the same as it was four years ago. So tell us what happened after that so, multiple you know, periods of clarity. So, you know, and it was not from a lack of trying to change that system. Okay. I want, I don't want people to think that, or anyone to think that I didn't try to help correct it. You know, I had multiple leadership positions and I just saw where things were going and I saw things weren't going to change nor change for my patients. So again, I'm, I was coming from a place of health of the, the physician and patient relationship. And I saw that deteriorating over time and I didn't see it correcting. So I came to a point where I just was drowning and my patients were drowning. And I said, I, I can't survive in this. You know, I'd like to think about the analogy of being a goldfish in a really sick tank, a really dirty tank. It's not my fault. I can't breathe. I'm in a dirty tank. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> when I met you guys, it was amazing because for me to get out of that dirty tank to a clean one seemed impossible because I can't breathe in between. Mm -hmm. Right. So you guys were able to help me <laughs> figure out how to go from one to the other, you know, because that seems such a daunting task and mm -hmm. an impossible task. 
And you're not only are you taking me out of that toxic tank to a new healthy tank where I can survive, you're taking thousands of people who are going to get better with their health. So when you try to change and try to clean that up and you see it's not working for years and years and years, that's how I got to that point. Powerful. And kudos to you for able to see that and say, look, with this, you know, your patients saw it, told you, you're like, oh my gosh, my blinders are off. They see it. I can't put my mask on every day anymore. You know, I can't hide this thing, sweep it underneath the rug. Something's got to happen. And very glad you did, not just, you know, from, from it's been great having you, you know, from Freedom Health Work standpoint, but, you know, also the people, the patients you're caring for. And that's always the main point is, yes, doctor, you're going through a lot, but put yourself in the shoes of somebody who might've just had a cancer diagnosis. Maybe they got two, three months, you know, to go here. How, what are you going to do for them? And how are you able to care for them and how is that going to change with your future plans of launching you know, your own practice and returning back into independent medicine? So that's going to completely change. Having hour, hour and a half appointments, doing home visits with people and not having to worry about metrics or anything else and being able to give people the time, the brain space that they need from a physician, the caring they need from a physician, feeling like you're part of a family with a physician. That is huge for me. That is huge for me and my patients. Going back to that and having the, a space, a healthy space to do that for them and myself is, I can't even imagine how much good I can do with that. We talk a lot about lifestyle balance. You know, it's important. Again, physicians, yourself, I mean, we look at you and we put you up in pedestals, but you're some of the first people that society in general will try to beat down. And you're like, no, no, these are the smartest, most educated people in our society. They should be revered. They should be, you know, treated as kind of the gems of our communities, not just a white coat and a stethoscope, and you're easily replaced on an assembly line going forward. But bringing the human element is exactly. super, super important. And so that'd be fascinating to hear, you know, as you're talking to patients and you're explaining what you're doing and how you explain that would be important. So I'm curious, you know, when, you, when somebody comes up and say, hey, Dr. Krebs, what is clear medical? What are you doing? What's your response to them? Oh, so I have a lot of patients who already are signed up, even though I don't have a clinic that's ready. <laughs> so they know it's going to be, I'm available to you anytime you need. So you don't have to go to urgent care. You're not going to have to go through a phone tree to get in touch with your physician. We're going to have non-rushed interactions and we're going to have time to really work on prevention, which is what people really, really want. They don't want sick care. People want well care. People don't want to wait last minute to come in and have to wait mm -hmm. two months because they've got something that's going on. So people- Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And that's something, again, that I, everyone noticed that was lost is prevention care. I say this all the time. Sick care is easy. Well care is very hard. Urgent care is easy. <laughs> A lot of people go be mad at me for saying that, but it's, it's, it's easy. Taking care of chronic illnesses and actually trying to get people to correct them mm -hmm. takes time. It takes interaction. It takes a team between the physician and the patient. And that you can't do that in 15 minutes. That takes mm -hmm. time. That takes accessibility. That takes the ability to contact your physician when you have a question. That takes coaching. You can't do that in 15 minutes every three months. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing from the patient side, you know, Akito, what you just said too was, you know, put yourself in the patient's shoes. You're not going to correct a chronic disease by going through a different physician or you know, nurse practitioner or provider every single time that you need to go in, right? And again, just building on the aspect of how important that relationship is, 
and how much important it is to have time and trust. I think trust is a, is a big one within there, but you're able to look at them and say, look, I, I understand your environment and these are the things that could be and, and work with them and say, like you said, it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of hard work. And mm-hmm. you talk to anybody who's ever successfully been on a diet. And I think the first thing they say is, I had to re-educate myself. Yeah. It's a lot of education. Physicians are educators first, mm-hmm. for sure. Like we yeah. can be Pez dispensers for azithromycin. <laughs> you get the call from the patient and say, I have an infection. I need, I just need the antibiotic. All right. All right. Let me, let me, let me go back here. Specialists. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Dr. Claire Krebs, a clear medical out of Kauai, Hawaii. We've kind of painted the picture of you know where the pain points were, where that kind of just inflection point was when we're like, I need to do this. And we've shown how your patients are going to be the people that are saying, hey, I'm, I'm applauding you from the sidelines. Yes, we understand that there is a problem here. You're not yourself. You don't look good. Something's wrong. You need to take yourself out of here. Like you said, I love your analogy that I'm a goldfish swimming in dirty water. I need a different tank. I need clean water over here to be able to flourish. As you've gone through the process here with Freedom Health Works, and if it weren't for local regulations on your building permits, you'd be just charging ahead, getting patients out there. I want to call special attention and really pick your brain on how you have taken you know, what was a hospital leadership and, and, a, and a big patient panel, and you've stepped away from that completely but you were able to reinsert yourself, almost rebrand it, you know, obviously with a new practice, a new business that's yours, rebranding is important, but you know, not just rebranding your practice, but yourself and being able to go out in your community. I mean, you're, you're everywhere and anywhere. And for a reason, the Dr. Kawhi moniker has transformed into that's who you are. And that's how people know you. What was that transition like of reinserting yourself back into the local community and talking to people about the practice and really winning their hearts and minds? Honestly, it was very natural for me. I always felt held back because I couldn't do teaching sessions because I'd have to do it under the guise of this legalese or that legalese. My passion is to teach people how to eat. And I finally was able to do that. I had the time, had the space, and and also that helps the business going out into the community and doing what I love to do. I mean, it's scary trying to do a three-hour cooking demonstration for 12 people at a time in a cooking kitchen, but that was what I always wanted to do. So I finally had the time and space to do it. And a lot of my old patients have come to those teaching sessions and they have learned a lot from it and helped, like, even though they, I'm not seeing them, they have helped their uh, chronic diseases, whatever chronic illnesses that they have. It was just natural for me, but it was also, I had to reach out to local wellness providers. You know, here on Kauai, we have chefs, we have people who own juice companies, we have people who have matcha companies, we have people who are actually doing some very smart science-based things that typically, you know, mainstream medicine tends to shun because you can't fit it into the, that matrix. And so I started reaching out to them and saying, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing and, you know, you're, I love your message and how can we do something together? Can we partner and bring this as an edu- a science-based education, Zoom, podcast, teaching session to people? And my phone's ringing off the hook with people who want to partner. And that's really been helpful for me, meeting people, for the community, people who can't see me. And for my old patients who can't see me now and for, you know, my future business, that my name is really getting out there a lot and it's really rewarding. I'm not really doing it for the business. I'm doing it because this is what I've always wanted to do. And I finally have the time and space and I'm not anchored to anything so I can do it. 
So it's really opening that up and saying, wow, look at all the opportunities here, not, oh my gosh, my stream of patients that I have no idea who they are just got shut off. What's your advice to a physician going through that who might not be as comfortable as you were putting themselves out there and being able to actually talk about their practice and pitch their practice to businesses and prospective patients? So I would say, look at what you really want to do. Look at how you want someone to move through your practice from coming in the door, what you envision the patient experience to be and envision that, know how that feels for someone. And knowing that confidently, being able to tell someone, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get two hours if you need it with a physician. You're going to get everything you didn't need, you didn't have before to help really take a deep dive to get to the root cause of whatever problem that you have versus just getting to a diagnosis and a medication. Let's try to prevent. Let's go back even further. Let's take the time to go there and really try to figure it out so you don't have to go to you know, a medication. So maybe we can do some lifestyle changes. So if someone who is going into DPC, I would really say, look at how you are doing things differently than your previous job or you know, mainstream medicine and really provide that to people because it's so unique and it's so needed that physicians need to spend time with people to get to know the whole person the whole family, the community, access to food, how are you sleeping? That takes time. That, that is healing. Not just, okay, you have hypertension because your blood pressure was high a couple of times, let's put you on a medication. Spending the time to actually heal that, honestly, you don't have that in insurance-based medicine. So that is really, I wouldn't even, it's not a selling point. It is what's needed for people. Chronic disease is really a problem in America because we're doing a terrible job of it in insurance-based care. And this is the solution is spending time with people, getting to know the entire picture and taking all of those things into account and figuring it out, helping someone take one thing at a time and fix it. I mean, it's, it's a no brainer to me. It's like, why would anyone not want to do that? <laughs> yeah. I'm smiling. I'm just, this, this kind of message popped in my head. It's like, if you're a doctor, you say, well, doc, I already have insurance. Why should I, why should I join your practice? And you look a patient in the eye and say, look, Harry, I know that you have diabetes. You join my practice. We're going to work to cure your diabetes, not just treat it. Exactly. That person would be just knocked back on their heels. You say something like that to them. And you know what? It's not BS. No, it's not. No. A lot of us as physicians, we want to not prescribe medication. We have the knowledge. We're diagnosticians. We're not, again, going back to the Pez dispenser analogy of medication. People don't want that either. People need to be healed. And that's what they want as well. And people are more satisfied and people get better, longer, faster, have more healthy, longer lives if we don't have to do medication. So that is what benefits patients. That's what they want. Yeah, it's a complete alignment of incentives. You know, from a business strategy case, like that is perfect. You're looking out, you're looking for customers, you're looking for partners. I'm incentivized to keep you healthy, actually more healthy than you probably are right now. Yeah. Before, when you were a Pez dispenser, yeah. <laughs> that's how your employer made money, right? Exactly. I mean, that's how the system makes money, keeping people sick. You cure old Harold in my example earlier from diabetes, guess what? That hospital system loses out on future revenue for that. Absolutely. And there's also like a segment of people who are healthy, but in insurance-based care, guess what? You can't bill for healthy people, but right. they do want to improve their health. When you do DPC, you don't have to bill for problems. 
you can give them actual things to improve their health. Even though they're healthy, they're still, we can all improve ourselves. So one thing that I'm doing is I'm trying to help people who are healthy improve their health a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So why would someone who's you know running every day and healthy come to see me and my previous clinic for a physical? It's 15 minutes, check everything, do some common labs, you know, you're done. You could take a deeper dive into their health to really help them improve some things. That's what we're trained to do is to be Again, look into the history, look into what you're doing, give suggestions. So with DPC, you also can heal people who have diagnoses better, but you can also help people who are healthy get even better and prevent illness later. And that segment of people don't feel like have, it's, it's hard for them to find help in insurance-based care. Once again, we're talking to Dr. Clara Krebs, Clear Medical. I, I really just have one you know, last question here for you to kind of expand on. And I know it's still very early in your practice life and, and it's still evolving and we're still waiting on, you know, the final physical space, but you are caring for people. And so, you know, based on the early exit polls, do you feel like you are making a positive difference in your 100%. community and on the island? Yeah, 100%. Just having the freedom to do these community outreach programs that I couldn't do before, 100% I'm making a difference with people who aren't even my patients. It is really nice to be able to do my passion. And that passion is giving people information so they don't have to go to the doctor. How does that translate, knowing and seeing that you're making a difference in people's lives? How does that translate to your quality of life? Oh, <laughs> I, I'm so rewarded by it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's, like, that's why I became a doctor. <laughs> that's exactly why I became a doctor. I'm finally getting that. <sighs> It's hard to say. It's it's a powerful experience when you are sitting down with someone they don't know how to roast vegetables and they were just eating something that was bad for them and they finally and they taste it and you teach them how to do it and they're like I'm going to do this forever now. Thank you for teaching me. It changes their life forever. Versus sitting in a clinic, fifteen minute interaction. It's priceless. It's priceless for that person. It's priceless for me. That's why we do what we do. And I'm finally able to do it. And I know I said last question, but you know you got me smiling and and the warm and fuzzy. So I got to ask now. Looking hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> is there a part of you that's like, damn it, why did I not do this earlier? I think it was a perfect time for me to do it. I think I needed to get to a point where my patients needed it because that that was the biggest problem for me to try to make the transition is people feeling abandoned and people feeling like they wouldn't have help. So the timing was perfect. I was able to get a physician to take care of my patients. So there was no interruption in their care. So could I have done it earlier? Yeah, but I think that the timing that I did, it was perfect. I'm going to go back on what I said a little earlier and say, this is our, our final segment of questioning here, because you, know, you brought that up and it, it made me think a little bit. As you were exiting from employed, there's another big roadblock that happens for a lot of physicians because they're terrified saying, oh my gosh, if I leave my hospital, they're going to come after me. They're going to seize my house, my dog, my car. My whole life is gone. I have to move out of state to be a doctor again. You had a completely amicable situation because you were honest. You came up and you said, hey, this is what I'm doing. Yep. I'll let you guide us from there. So I have a great relationship with my hospital system. I worked in it for a long, long time in leadership positions. And I was very honest from the get-go about what I was doing and why I was doing it and told them the reasons why. And actually, I have a lot of support. So, and I check in with them. 
I text with my administrators a lot, like, hey, I miss you, because I do, I miss them. We were family. I think that might be unique to Kauai because it's such a small space and everyone really gets along well. But that was really scary, was disappointing them because they are so close. I mean, I think that it can be scary either side that someone's going to come after you or you're going to disappoint the people that you really care about. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't scared that someone was going to come after me, like maybe a little bit, like just (laughs) because that's what everybody talks about. But I was more scared to disappoint people I'd worked with for a long time. Um, But I was very surprised that that I have had a lot of support. I'm really grateful for it. And we've heard that from a lot of physicians who've gone in and said, wow, I was really terrified to have a conversation, but your administrators, they probably see it too. They're probably like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, but how do we continue to working with you or how do we move this thing forward? Yeah. And it's, they've been great. And I might be unique in that I've just worked with amazing people. And it's just, again, we just all work in a sick tank, (laughs) but I got out. I do believe that you are unique, but I will say, you know, the physicians that we've worked with who have had those conversations have had very positive results. It's not this, oh my gosh, I need to keep it a secret and not tell anybody. And then, you know, everybody's going to be coming after me type of a thing. It's, right. it's nice to know that there are adults out there that are capable of having a conversation and wanting what's best for one another, right? Yeah. When I, when I called one of my administrators, she started crying. She's like, oh no. So, I mean, it was, and that's, and I was really scared. Because you don't know how people are going to react. And if you just have, I mean, I think most primary care physicians have really good relationships with their administrators because we tend to be nice people. <laughs> um, but it was, it's a lot, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And I was terrified and you just got to, I think I talked to one of you guys one day about like, I feel like I'm jumping off a cliff today. <laughs> and I did. And it, it was not as scary as it was. You realize that that step down was a couple of inches, it wasn't not just a, cliff, a massive just, plummet, yeah. right? Yeah, it wasn't a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finally, last question here. Is there anything looking back, you know, when you decided to make this, make, make the switch over to your direct care practice, anything you wanted to, yeah, I, w- I wish I had that back. I wish I would have done that a little bit differently. I wish I had had a built up clinic. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna tell everybody to call the local zoning for you and, and yeah, really yeah. go to bat. I wish I had, didn't have to go through permitting and everything like that. Again, I think that's unique, but I wish I could have just stepped into like a built-out space and not have to go through permitting and everything else like that. Well, Dr. Clara Krebs, thank you so much for joining us here. This has been a great conversation, and I know that your insight and your words are going to be very, very helpful for a lot of people out there that are thinking. I should do something yet maybe have some reservations. So thank you for being a driving force behind being a happier doctor. Yeah. Happier patients, healthier patients. That's going to do it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com. Catch all previous episodes, subscribe to our mailing list and visit our fantastic online store. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. 
Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.